Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Celtic not guaranteed second in the league, says Chris Commons. Chris Commons claims Celtic are in such poor form they may not even finish second this season. The former midfielder has watched his old club stutter and falter this campaign, sitting 21 points behind Rangers at the top of the Premiership. They have drawn their previous two matches in the league against Livingston and Hibs. With another of Commons' former clubs, Hibs, breathing down their necks with just five points the difference, the retired playmaker has warned that if Celtic do not improve their recent form, they could be staring down the barrel of a disastrous season. Albeit at the moment, they have three games in hand over their rivals. Commons also took aim at the club over their Dubai debacle, where Christopher Julian tested positive for COVID-19 and 13 other players were also forced into self-isolation as close contacts as well as manager Neil Lennon and John Kennedy. Commons told the Daily Mail, One of the few saving graces for Celtic fans would be if Rangers don't break the record points tally for the season. Whether they do or not, despite drawing at Motherwell yesterday, there's no question that Rangers have improved and have enjoyed a proper season. There's not much you can do about that from Celtic's point of view, but it's this excuse of a title challenge from a team that was supposedly going for 10 in a row that really sticks in the throat of fans. Losing the title they all wanted would have been tough had it gone to the wire but there would have been a certain degree of acceptance had that happened. But the league is gone in January. You could not completely discount the possibility of Celtic failing to finish second. When you are capable of losing at home to Ross County and have drawn against Hibs and Livingston, games in hand that don't mean that much. Even with 13 players missing on Saturday, there was still a good side out there that should have been demolishing Livingston, even if they are on a great run of form. This is Celtic at Celtic Park against Livingston. There are no excuses. The fact there was no recognised striker is entirely Celtic's own fault. Why on earth, at the very least, wasn't the squad put into two bubbles for Dubai, with the four strikers split two and two? That would have been common sense. There's just not a lot of that being applied to any situation in there right now.
Celtic Stars back at Lennox Town. Celtic Stars are back at Lennox Town this morning after their self-isolation period ended. Manager Neil Lennon, John Kennedy and 13 players were forced into isolation after being deemed close contacts of Christopher Julian, who tested positive for COVID-19 after their Dubai trip. Their lockdown forced first-team coach Gavin Strachan to take the side against Livingston and Hibbs with a somewhat makeshift outfit where they managed just two home draws. Now, though, the top players and staff are back in training. It comes as the hoops are 20 points behind rivals Rangers at the top of the Premiership, albeit with three games in hand, as they attempt to make up any sort of ground on the leaders. Stephen Hendry reveals why he's ready to re-rack after eight years out. Scottish snooker great Stephen Hendry has nothing to prove in the sport, but at 51, he's ready to test himself at the top once again. The record seven times world champion dominated the Green Bay's game for more than a decade and won a staggering 36 ranking titles during his illustrious 27-year career. But in August last year, the Scot shocked the snooker world when he announced his comeback after an eight-year hiatus. And now, having been practicing hard to rediscover some of the old magic, the ambitious Perthshire Potter is relishing the chance to play his first professional match since retiring in May 2012. Hendry had been keeping his army of fans and fellow professionals waiting to see which tournament would mark his eagerly anticipated return. His faithful support will have to wait a little longer than expected after Hendry pulled out of this week's WST Pro Series on Friday and it is unclear when exactly he intends to pick up a cue. But the snooker world is holding its breath to see how snooker's golden boy fares against the modern generation of stars. Revealed Hendry, I am really looking forward to playing snooker again. I am sure I'll be very nervous, but I've got no expectations. If I start to play all right, then the expectation is going to build. So that's something I'm going to have to cope with, but we'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I have been practicing a bit, but it's been hard with coronavirus because clubs have been shut. What I haven't done is play against other players. You can think you're playing well on your own, but when you get back out there in the arena, then that's the test. I probably won't win the first match I play in, or maybe even the second match, and I'm probably going to get slaughtered for it. I have actually been getting a lot of stick off people saying it's been the worst comeback ever, but I've just not been ready. But people have got to remember that I always said it wasn't going to be a full-time comeback. Promoter Barry Hearn 
widely praised for revitalising snooker after it was in the doldrums a decade ago, offered Hendry a two-year invitational tour wildcard during a round of golf. A born winner, Hendry couldn't refuse the challenge and the chance to experience the buzz of playing in front of a crowd again. The coronavirus pandemic has unfortunately prevented spectators at tournaments this season, but a bio-secure bubble at the Marshall Arena, which has an on-site hotel, has meant the snooker season has continued largely uninterrupted whilst other major sporting events have fallen by the wayside. But Henry's return sees him enter uncharted waters with a host of players looking to claim his prized scalp. Admitted Henry, back when I retired, I was seen as someone that should possibly still win and I couldn't. Now I am a total underdog and I am just going to see what happens. It's going to be very exciting. Potting balls and clearing up is my happy place. It always has been. When I turned professional, my obsession was winning. It's about coming back and experiencing that buzz again, which I used to enjoy. I was number one for eight years and I won the World Championship five years on the spin. I almost took winning for granted. Even now, I still think the Crucible is my venue. Even though I've only been commentating there, I think this is where I belong. Henry's return has also coincided with working with a new coach, Steve Feeney. Feeney has worked with six-time world champion Ronnie O'Sullivan and many of the sport's top stars, but he is largely credited with helping Stuart Bingham and Mark Williams both win world titles after barren spells without success. Welshman Williams famously won his third world title in 2018, thanks largely to Feeney's help, after a staggering 15-year gap since his second world crown in 2003. Feeney hopes Hendry can do something special on his return, having seen firsthand how good the Scot still is. Said Feeney, I've seen the best at work close up, and this guy is special. Stephen is playing some shots that he has said he couldn't play before. I think we are adding to the mix that this guy knows how to win. The other guys at the top of the game know he knows how to win. If we can do our stuff right, and he can carry the same composure out there into matches, people will have a problem on their hands and won't want to be drawing him in the first round at tournaments. After the disappointment of the Pro Series withdrawal, his main target is to once again grace the famous World Championship stage, a venue which has lain witness to many of his most special triumphs. Said Henry, I'm 99% certain I'm going to enter the World Championships. Now only time will tell how arguably snooker's greatest ever player 
performs. Sedwick Lytton's equaliser should not have counted, says ex Hartsman. Cedric Eaton's goal should not have stood for Rangers at Muddle, admits Michael Stewart, but he says the striker must have had the benefit of the doubt. Motherwell boss Graeme Alexander was fuming when Eaton headed home the leveller after Devant Cole had given the home side the lead, as he claimed the Swiss was standing in an offside position. Footage showed he may well have had a point, but Jers finished with a point from the 1-1 draw, which leaves them 21 points ahead of rival Celtic at the top of the Premiership. Quite how important the goal is will be remain to be seen, but ex-Hearts and Hibs midfielder Stewart claims the hitman deserved the benefit of the doubt and that Motherwell can't complain too much. On BBC Sports Scene, the pundit said, You hear Graham Alexander saying that it's offside. It's a wonderful ball in, and he is marginally, but I don't think you can complain. I don't think you can have a go at the linesman for that when it's so tight. You give the benefit of the doubt to the striker. I think it's so close it's difficult to get upset about that. Jackson Irving on signing for Hibs and his seven months of frustration. Jackson Evan doesn't want to make too much of his hardship. Just two years after playing for Australia against France, Denmark and Peru in the World Cup, Hibernian's new midfielder was training alone in a public park, trying to stop passing dogs from pinching the ball from his feet. Without a club, after being released by Hull City last summer, the onset of the pandemic made life uncertain for the 27-year-old, a state of limbo that only came to an end last week when Hibbs offered him a short-term contract. If there were raised eyebrows when he was named in the starting lineup for Saturday's game against Kilmarnock, an Allen Power own goal and a thumping effort from Alex Gojic sealed a 2-0 win. It was only because Evan hadn't played a competitive match for 10 months. Tired but grateful afterwards, the former Celtic youth player outlined what the past seven months without a club had been like. He admitted, It was incredibly frustrating. Now that I am signed and playing again, it is something I can reflect on as probably the most challenging time I will ever face in my career, especially not being able to see family and friends during a time when you are out of the game. It just emphasises how much I am hoping to make up for lost time. I did a lot of individual training. I had some great support from the national team on the strength and conditioning and sports science side of things. They were giving me programmes and things to do on my own. I was just training in parks in Hull, with Labradors coming in and taking the ball away when you're trying to do a drill. Honestly, 
There were times when I was thinking to myself, two years ago I was playing in the World Cup. Now I'm in a public park on my own doing running. Football is funny how things can turn for you. I'm just so grateful to be back at a great club, competing at the top end of the table, looking to win trophies and get into Europe. Irvin, though, appreciates that others have gone through a lot worse in the past year, so doesn't want to grumble too much about his own problems. As well as those who have suffered in the pandemic, his girlfriend Jamila works on the freight line as a firefighter. He added, It was frustrating and difficult for me, but in the grand scheme of things, people are facing a lot worse situations than not being able to find a football club. It's not even remotely close to how difficult this time has been for other people. Having a partner in emergency services has helped me keep things in perspective. I'm like, yeah, I've had a hard day running in the dog park. She's coming home from doing what she does, and there's no question about the perspective there. It's definitely an eye-opener. Things, though, are looking up for Evan. Having done his bit to help Hibs to their first victory since before Christmas, he now has a chance of featuring in Saturday's Betfred Cup semi-final against St Johnson. Having won this tournament with Ross County, he'd love the chance to do so again, and he joked that perhaps beating Hibs in that final in March 2016 helped spur them on to their famous Scottish Cup triumph just two months later. He said, to come in during a time when the club is competing for a chance to put themselves in a final and to potentially play a part in that is very exciting. I can't wait. It's kind of a strange one being at Hibs now, having played on the Ross County side in that final. Maybe winning that game gave Hibs the spark to go and win the Scottish Cup that season. There will be no such cup action for Kilmarnock this weekend, giving them additional time to reflect on a 24-hour period that saw them awarded the chance to play Motherwell in a rearranged game after an SFA panel overturned the SPFL's initial decision to award them a 3-0 loss for breaches of coronavirus protocol and then lose in a scrappy game at Easter Road. For defender Clevid Dicamona, getting that Motherwell game back on the fixture list was the correct course of action. He said, I've been in a lot of countries, I've played for a lot of teams, and I can't understand some of the decisions from the SPFL. But we have the chance now to fight for the three points, and that's the best decision. That's what's fair. To get the points on the pitch, not in front of people who don't even play football. Neil McCann in Stark Warning to the Ibrox Stars Neil McCann has warned Rangers Stars to find their ruthless streak 
and seal the Premiership title as early as they can, or risk complacency creeping in. The former winger won his own titles and trophies as an Ibrox player and was quick to reveal how he and his teammates back in the 1990s would never allow themselves to drop silly points with silverware on the line. Rangers yesterday, meanwhile, dropped two at Motherwell after Cedric Itton levelled from a Devant Cole early tap-in. McCann has now challenged Stephen Gerrard's charges to make sure they get the job done to avoid a slump in form and any nervy finish to the season, albeit they remain 21 points clear of their rivals. Asked if complacency may become an issue, McCann told BBC Sportsound, No, that absolutely shouldn't be an excuse. You've got yourself into this kind of lead and you think it's okay, we'll turn the engine down now and idle towards the finish line. It never ever happened in my time when I was winning titles at Rangers. The group of players I was with were relentless. The first two we were relentless towards our quest of winning the title. The first one we went to Celtic Park and did it, and the second time around we went to Celtic Park and virtually secured it, though it didn't, it sent us on our way. You then look at the next one and say how quick can we get this done. The third one we had to go all the way and it went all the way to the last day of the season when we were going toe to toe. Teams who are hungry and full of desire want to get it done as soon as they can. They don't want to let it drip away and uh, See, we have created such a gap, we are going to amble across the line. That isn't how champions work. They are normally just ruthless and just totally dismiss the challenge that is behind them. Then, when you are champions and want to take the foot off the gas and put a few young boys in, then you are entitled to do that. But generally, that should not be accepted in a dressing room. Rangers linked Jack Wilshere's latest as no deal imminent. Rangers linked Jack Wilshere is still looking for a new club after a training stint with Bournemouth. The midfielder's future remains up in the air as he has been on the lookout for a club after leaving West Ham in the summer. The former Arsenal and Bolton ace Wilshere had been training with the Cherries. Now, though, boss Jason Tyndall claims there is no contract on the table for the England international. Though he refused to rule out any move in future, he told the Daily Echo, Jack came in and was training with us and training well with us whilst Junior was here and fit. As I've said before, really pleased that Jack's in with us when you've got a player of Jack's quality training with you, it can only be a good thing. If anything moves forward, or if there's anything to report, then the media will no doubt be the first people to know. He's certainly not about to sign a deal. We told recently how Wilshere opened up on speculation linking him to Ibrox under Stephen Gerrard. The playmaker, 
who was recently on a round £100,000 in the Premier League at West Ham, said, It would interest me because it is Stephen Gerrard, and that is no disrespect to Scotland. My granddad married a Scottish woman like 30 years ago. She is like my nan, and that is all I have known growing up. Again, it never crossed my mind playing there, but now that Gerard is there, the, de the door definitely isn't closed, but at the same time, it wouldn't be my first choice. Golf. Top 50 is nice, but that's not as far as I can go, reckons Scott Robert McIntyre. The weekly updating of golf's official world rankings has always been an intrigue, eagerly anticipated exercise. Numbers are crunched and results are punched into a supercomputer before the new rankings are spewed out into the public domain amid the racket of clanking pistons, billowing pulleys and chuff chuffs of steam. Well, that's how I think it works. Robert McIntyre has not hit a ball competitively since the DP World Tour Championships in November, but in that time, he has moved from 56th on the global order to 51st due to the way in which the rolling average of performance is calculated. If I kept going like that, I'd have my feet up in Oban right now, chuckled the Scot, who is in Abu Dhabi this week for his 2021 season opener. Just sitting at home with a beer watching myself go up the rankings was nice. Breaking into the top 50, of course, could lead to a master's invitation and a whole host of other giddy treats and possibilities. But McIntyre added, I'm not just trying to get into the top 50, I'm trying to surpass that. If that's my limit, then that's my limit, but I don't think it is. A year ago, McIntyre was forced to pull out of the Abu Dhabi showpiece with a niggling wrist injury. The grim arrival of the coronavirus pandemic a few weeks later meant the feel-good factor that was generated by him winning the Rookie of the Year prize in 2019 was quickly dampened. From a campaign shrouded in clouds, however, McIntyre emerged with a silver lining and won his maiden tour title in Cyprus as he finished a disjointed 2020 with a flourish. McIntyre has been very open about the mental toll the various lockdown measures held on him last year. Over the last few weeks, and with strict restrictions still in place, the 24-year-old feels he has coped much better. He admitted, I've not struggled at all this time. If you go through a struggle and come out of it, then you're in a better spot for the next struggle. I have been able to play more golf this lockdown. Last time I wasn't touching a club at all. When I got away from home to go and compete, it changes me massively. The more I'm playing golf, the more I feel like myself. I'm sure that's the same for a lot of people who love their jobs. If they're not working, then they don't feel like themselves. Golf is my life. If you don't have golf, you're not living. McIntyre is leading the kind of life that would make Riley envious, 
but he is reaping the rewards of his drive, dedication and wonderful natural talent. In this game of fine margins, every little helps, and McIntyre has made small changes to his routine, which he believes can have big benefits. I used to practice with my phone in my back pocket, but I've stopped that, he explained of a more disciplined approach. I studied a lot of the experienced guys I've played with, like Graham McDowell, Shane Lowry or Tommy Fleetwood, and watched how they carried themselves on the range or on the course. They seemed more focused than I was. So I don't have my phone at all when I'm working. If it improves me by just 1%, then it's worth it. The processes in golf are huge. I used to worry about the outcome, and I didn't win at all in two years, so I was failing every week. So I set little goals that are achievable every week, and keep feeling like I'm achieving them, then I can keep building. You have to keep thinking about the processes until it's cutthroat time at an event. I used to be too worried about trying to win a tournament. You can't win them all. If you go in thinking, I'm dying to win, then you'll fail. Just over three years ago, McIntyre began his professional career in the Middle East on the third tier MENA tour. He started with a 78 on his debut in Jordan, rode back to finish third, and then won in Kuwait a week later. It wasn't as comfortable back then. I was fighting for my life. At least that's how it felt, he reflected of that stint at the coalface. But my golf's not changed or my will to do well. If anything, it's got greater because of the things I can achieve. The stakes are much bigger now. It just comes back down to me enjoying myself. If I do that, then I'll play good golf. Myrtle McLeod brands Lennon an angry man. Myrtle McLeod has branded Neil Lennon an angry young man following his irate press conference yesterday. Lennon came out publicly and slammed the reaction to his team's mid-season Dubai training camp. Upon return to Scotland, Christopher Julian tested positive for coronavirus, which meant 13 players were forced to self-isolate along with the staff. Lennon and assistant John Kennedy were two of the staff forced to quarantine, and Chief Executive Peter Lowell subsequently admitted the trip was a mistake and apologised to Hoops fans. Reacting to Lennon's comments, McLeod told BBC Scotland, he's an angry young man. For me, that press conference was strange. When you come back and you know everything that has happened up to now, he has obviously been angry since he has arrived back home and what has happened to his team. He wants to have a go at people and for me that is not going to help Celtic. Celtic is all about the football pitch that is the most important thing. If you start having a go at people and falling out with people, then it just means the relationship between the media, the club and himself will not be good. I still don't know if Lennon and Peter Lowell got together before he came out with this rant about everything. That doesn't normally happen 
when you're sitting down in front of all the media. I think Neil, off his own back, has come out with all guns blazing. He's had a go at as many people as he can, even the people coming up in the trains from London to Glasgow. That is nothing to do with Celtic Football Club. Peter has come out and apologised, and for Neil to come back and have a real go like this is a real problem for Celtic now. There's so many people sitting listening to Neil and thinking this is not the way the Celtic manager should be acting. I don't think Neil Lennon should go as much for his rant. It is more what is happening on the football pitch. The hardest thing for Celtic is getting a new manager in who can bring success and wins every single week. Neil Lennon says Celtic have been treated like common criminals. Celtic have been savaged by supporters, Sky Sports pundits, the Scottish Government and First Minister Nicola Sturgeon for travelling to Dubai for a warm weather training break this month while COVID-19 infection rates around the world were on the rise. But yesterday, it was the turn of Neil Lennon to finally have his say on the controversy, and he didn't pull any punches. Lennon, who was forced to self-isolate for 10 days along with two other staff members and 13 players when Christopher Julian tested positive for coronavirus, spoke to the media after returning to training at Lennoxtown. This is a full transcript of his explosive interview. Question. What is your view on the fallout to Celtic's trip to Dubai? Answer. It's been interesting watching all the fallout, the media coverage and the opinions of some people as well. First of all, it shouldn't have been Peter Lowell out apologising. It should have been me because it was my decision. We made it with the best intentions for the players and the club for the second half of the season. Unfortunately, we picked up one infection out of a group of 60. It did show that our protocols are all in place and are working. I do feel we have been harshly frustrated in terms of the amount of people that have had to isolate and the time they have had to isolate for as well. We've picked up one more positive case, so that makes two out of the whole party. So there was no outbreak, there was no misbehaviour. We were very professional in how we went about our business. The preparation was top class. We prepared as if we were going away on a European trip. The innuendo and the insinuation from Andy Walker that it was a jolly. I can't have that. I can't tolerate that at all. That calls into question my professionalism, the professionalism of my players, my staff, the people who were out there helping us. It's an absolute scandal. The fact is that 80% of my squad are probably teetotal. It's a total distortion of the facts. He went on a public platform, Sky Sports, and accused the club of being arrogant and demanded an apology from the club. We did that, but even then it wasn't good enough for him. I want an apology from him. You cannot go on there and falsify what went on 
with a total misrepresentation of reality. Question. How did the Scottish Government decide who had to self-isolate? Answer. Well, on the plane, it was the guys that were closest to Julian. So all of a sudden, it was two rows back, two rows forward, two rows to the side. We were under the impression that with business class seats, the distance from two seats back was pretty safe. And some lads had to isolate because they were on buses with Christopher. But this is where I am confused. Because all clubs in Scotland have been travelling up and down the country in two buses. With these guidelines now that we are having to adhere to, it means that only three players can travel on a 52-seater bus. When we played Hibs last Monday, we had to bus six players on two 52-seater buses. So that would mean every club in the country, a squad of 30 people, would have to take 10 buses. For me, the goalposts are completely moved. And in terms of physical distancing, we have been in dressing rooms throughout the country. Hamilton on Boxing Day, St Johnson before that, where there is no physical distancing. There is no room. We are cramped up, 15 to 20 people in the one room. And now, all of a sudden, we adhere to all protocols, take photographs, adhere to every rule in place, and we have 13 players and three staff isolating for 10 days who, apart from one, are all negative. It is absolutely preposterous. Question. What did you make of what First Minister Nicola Sargent said? Answer. I'm not going to get into a fight with the First Minister, but I'll take umbrage on her use of the term RNR, which she selectively picked out of interviews, completely ignoring the hard work and the intensive training we were intending to do, and also that we abused our so-called privileges when we were out there. That couldn't be further from the truth. We are privileged to be doing our jobs at the minute, but I can guarantee there has been no abuse of those privileges. Question. The photographs of members of the Celtic party sitting by the pool and in the bar in Dubai caused an outcry. Were you in the wrong there? Answer. We were sitting outside in our bubble. We may not be exactly two metres apart, but we were in our bubble. There was no Chris and Julian in the photographs. All the people in the photographs were negative. And by the way, it is illegal to take a picture of somebody without their consent in Dubai. Some players are in a bar, not all of them drinking. They are maybe not totally distancing, but they are sitting there quietly watching the football for half an hour with masks on. We got treated like common criminals for it. It's not as if we were doing a conga at three o'clock in the morning in a dining room or dancing to Bacara in a dressing room as Scotland did after the Euro 2020 playoff final win over Serbia in Belgrade in November or traipsing up and down the country with Covid in a train from Glasgow to London as SNP MP Margaret Ferrier did in September. My players' behaviour was exemplary. They are top professionals. The way this has been portrayed has been a total distortion of the facts. 
I apologise to Celtic supporters for the fallout and what has happened. That was never our intention. We went out there with the best of intentions to do a good week's work, come back and really look forward to the second half of the season. We followed the protocols, but it has backfired on us because the goalposts have been moved. Question. Did you think that Celtic needed to apologise? Answer. The intention for going to Dubai was correct. What was regretful was the outcome of it and the way we have been treated on it. The whole bus thing. Clubs up and down the country are travelling on three buses. By the regulations now, that can't be possible. Question. SFA Chief Executive Ian Maxwell has confirmed the disciplinary department is investigating whether Celtic broke protocols following the publication of the photos. Will it be an injustice for you if Celtic are punished? Nothing happened to Scotland after Serbia. Answer. As long as they investigate that conga, that's fine. It is hypocrisy of the highest order. I am feeling aggrieved and my staff and players are feeling aggrieved as well. It is all political. Question. Some chairmen have blamed Celtic for the lower leagues being suspended. Are you responsible? Answer. It's just nonsense. I don't even have to answer that. Question. Are you confident the Celtic board are still behind you? Answer. Yes, they're fully behind me. I'm in contact with Peter Daly. There has been no talk of any change or any difference to my position. I've always been appreciative of the support Peter and the board have given me. They've been absolutely wonderful. It's only a month ago that we won the treble. Since I've come back, we've won five trophies in a row. That seems to have been forgotten very quickly by some people. It's not an easy thing to do. I think I'm the first person ever to win the treble as a player and manager. I'm not saying the performances have been good this season. They haven't. I'm not shying away from that. But you know, we're going through a difficult period. We're going through a bit of adversity and you need to be strong. I think I'm completely the right man for the job. I have the backing of the board and the players as well. Question. Can Celtic still win the Scottish title? Answer. We have to win every game. The players are capable of doing it. They played very well at Ibrox and were the better team. And then this happens. We just have to galvanise ourselves and go again. This season has been totally disrupted constantly. We've had very little room for momentum building. You had the volley, ball and golly incident at the start of the season. Then you had four guys on international duty ruled out. That disrupted our preparations. And then we've had this, the whole fallout, which I think has been completely over the top. Question. Your old teammate John Hartson has stated it is time for you to leave Celtic. Was that hurtful to hear? Answer. John has an opinion, like many people on the periphery of the game. You either take it on board or you don't. It has no impact on me. It means nothing. When he's praising me, it means nothing. When he's talking about me losing my job or being removed from my job, it means nothing to me. John feels he has a job to do. Yeah, he could have rung me first and had a chat about it. 
but when you are on the media side, and I've been there myself, it's an easy life. Question. How did you find self-isolating personally? Answer. It was very frustrating. I understand what the public are going through at the minute. I understand their frustrations, having gone through it myself. It's not an easy thing to go through because you know you're healthy, you know you're well, but you have to adhere to the rules. It's awful what we're living through at the moment. That's been interesting as well, watching news loops and seeing how it's affecting the public, not just in the UK, but around the world. It's horrendous. Question. How did you feel when you were told you had to self-isolate? Answer. Your heart sinks, of course, because you can't do your job for 10 days. We had two very important games against formidable teams and you want to be able to do all you can. Question. How difficult was it to take charge of games via, via Zoom calls and AirPods? Answer. We had the Hibs game on the telly. I was constantly on the phone to the dugout. Then it was exactly the same at the weekend against Livingston. It wasn't easy. You don't get a real feel for the game and see the whole picture. It was very difficult and very frustrating because you can't do your job properly through no fault of your own. Question. Will more players have to quarantine because of the second positive test? Answer. There's another positive but he's already been isolating and the rest of the squad is negative. It won't affect the squad at all. No one else is affected. Question. Most of the players are back in training now. How are they? Answer. They'll be fine for Wednesday. They trained really well today and I think they're really motivated. I think they realise how much training means to them and being around each other at the club. There was a real vibrancy about training. It was great to see them all back together. Question. Livingston game on Wednesday night is hugely important now. Answer. David Martindale has done an outstanding job since taking over. They've been a real success story over the last four or five seasons. Davy Hopkin, Gary Holt and now Davy. It's been outstanding recruitment and outstanding results. This run they're on is fantastic, so it'll be very difficult for us on Wednesday. It's not been a great ground for us, but there is extra motivation for us now to obviously try and win the game. Nick Roger says, Fingers, toes and everything else crossed as European Tour prepares to creak back into action. Regular readers may be startled to learn that I've been dabbling in a bit of yoga lately. Not half as startled, mind you, as my two-year-old son who watched me creak, crack, grimace and groan myself into a sun salutation during a quite preposterous performance which really shouldn't have been viewed by such tender, innocent eyes. Given that I have the flexibility of a steel girder, the whole straining, stretching stushy had about as much fluidity as the movement of freight at the Kent ports. Apparently, the ancient practice of yoga is about the body and the mind working in perfect harmony, even if, in my case, it was my body asking my mind, 
what the hell are you thinking? As I contorted, curled and cursed. All of which brings us squirming into this week's meander as the European tour gets itself moving again in 2021. Rather like this scribe, adopting the warrior two position and posing in statuesque athletic majesty. Well, until my leggings ripped. The European Ryder Cup qualifying standings have been frozen in time since last July due to the fractured nature of a coronavirus impacted campaign. The European process of accumulating points resumes this week in Abu Dhabi as the circuit embarks on its traditional Middle East swing. Qualifying began at the BMW PGA Championship back in September 2019, but with the 2020 transatlantic tussle postponed for 12 months as the pandemic raged, the road to Whistling Straits has been longer than a queue at Dover. When the qualifying race started at Wentworth some 17 months ago, Oban's Robert McIntyre was on his way to winning the Tour's Rookie of the Year award and had already impressed the European skipper Podrick Harrington. I'd be very happy if he plays his way into my team, Harrington said at the time. As he prepares to tee off 2021, McIntyre has continued to make great strides. He is now a Tour winner and just one place outside the world's top 50. Breaking into that lofty echelon and benefiting from all the lucrative opportunity it offers would significantly bolster his qualifying hopes. Back in 2019, Harrington stated that he'd scribbled down a list of 20 or so up-and-coming tour players he was keen to keep an eye on. McIntyre was very much part of that list, never one to look too far ahead and always canny and measured in his career analysis, McIntyre will not let the Ryder Cup qualification process become a distraction. Throughout his short yet successful professional career, the 24-year-old has dealt with all the various challenges superbly, from establishing himself quickly in his rookie year to thriving in major debuts and overcoming some psychological troubles to eventually emerge as a tour champion. A push for a Ryder Cup spot will be another exciting task to embrace. That's if everything passes off as scheduled, of course. The European Tour may have a hefty diary of tournaments in place for 2021 but caution remains the watchword. Only last week, for instance, three events in February on the second tier Challenge Tour and co-sanctioned with the South African Sunshine Tour were postponed due to the global resurgence of COVID-19. The ladies' circuit in that neck of the woods has also been put on hold. Such developments underlined once again the perilous, fragile, ever-changing nature of the current situation across all facets of life. In these turbulent times, the only certainty is the uncertainty. 
let's keep those fingers and whatever else blooming yoga demands crossed. And another thing, a quick glance at some of the golf headlines over the last week or so has made an eviction notice seem like some light, soothing reading in comparison. Gary Player and Annika Sorenstam took pelters for accepting the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Donald Trump the day after the United States Capitol was stormed by his rabid supporters. Angel Cabrera, the former Masters champion, was arrested in Brazil amid various allegations and Justin Thomas was caught on a microphone spouting a homophobic insult after missing a putt at the Century Tournament of Champions. The world number three swiftly apologised for his use of the word faggot, but has since had a hefty contract with clothing giant Ralph Lauren ripped up. The ensuing debate didn't have much middle ground, Thomas was either a roaring bigot, or those offended were just too sensitive. The well-respected writer Eamon Lynch, one of the few openly gay golf commentators, penned a column for Golf Week which offered more reason and insight. Referencing conversations he had had with golfers who feared their sexuality would be a barrier to a career in the industry, Lynch wrote that those kids are the unseen and unheard impact of Thomas's language, the people who will simply drift away from golf while this binary debate exhausts itself between those who are vocally upset at the slur and those who are just angry that others express their upset. Golf has worked hard to try to shake off the self-imposed historical shackles that have created division and negative stereotypes down the years. It's up to everyone, from the world's best to the weekend warriors at a club level, to make it a welcoming game for all. Quinton Young on Rangers record winning run. Stephen Gerrard's side may have come up just short in their bid to equal Rangers post-war record for consecutive league wins on Sunday afternoon when they failed to beat Motherwell at Fir Park. But one of the players who helped the Ibrox club to triumph in 16 games on the spin in the old First Division campaign is confident they will be able to go one better than Jock Wallace's team this term. Quinton Young made an immediate impact for his boyhood heroes after joining them from Coventry City in a swap deal with striker Colin Steen in the October of that memorable season. The skillful winger scored goals in victories over East Fife, Partick Thistle, Falkirk, Kilmarnock, Morton, Motherwell, Arbroath, Airdrie and Dumbarton during a hot streak of form that lasted for almost four months. However, the Glasgow club still ended up being pipped to the Scottish title by their city rival Celtic by just a solitary point. Young, who is now 73 and living in his native Ayrshire, takes a keen interest in how Rangers are faring 
and has been delighted to see them performing so well under Gerard, both domestically and in Europe, since football restarted in this country back in August. The man who played and netted for the European Cup Winners' Cup champions in the European Super Cup double header against Ajax exactly 48 years ago this month is certain they will go on and prevail in the Premiership despite the slip-up at the weekend. He said, They were all good boys in that Rangers team and it was easy to play with them after I joined in 1972. I had played at Coventry as a right winger, but I played for Rangers as a left winger. I was two-footed. I scored quite a few goals in that winning run that we went on. Sadly, we finished just behind Celtic in the league. I am still a Rangers fan. I was a season ticket holder until a few years ago. Now I listen to the games on the wireless and watch them on the telly when I can. I am always getting told off for shouting at the wireless and the telly, but I have been pleased to see them enjoying success this season. Stephen Gerrard, he has done well, that boy. For a rookie manager, he has done very well. He and his staff have done very well. He has helped to drive up standards. I hope that Rangers hold on to him. They didn't match our record on Sunday, but I still think they will go on and win the league. They are so far ahead. Young, who was brought in to replace fans' favourite Willie Johnson, helped Rangers to atone for the disappointment of missing out on the First Division trophy just a week later by beating Celtic 3-2 in the Scottish Cup final in front of 122,714 fans at Hamden. He said, We got the better of them in the centenary final that season. That victory was the highlight of my time at Rangers and one of the highlights of my career. It was a great result for us. Willie Johnson came back up to Glasgow for that game. He came along to a party in Glasgow with Graeme Fife and I after it. When we were in the car, I said to him, Willie, do you know the best thing Rangers ever did? He said, know what? I told him, sell you and buy me. He replied, you cheaty. Lifting silverware with Rangers was a dream come true for the former miner, especially as he thought that his chance to pull on a light blue jersey had passed him by two years earlier. He said, It was always an ambition of mine to play for Rangers. My family were supporters, and I had grown up as a supporter. I had gone to see them play Air United at Somerset Park as a wee boy of just ten. My mother and father didn't even know I was there. I loved Ralph Brand, Jimmy Miller and Jim Baxter. Air was my first club. Ali McLeod was in charge at that time. He was a great manager, a fantastic motivator. He would shout at you when he felt you needed it, but he would give you a cuddle when he felt you needed it too. He was good for me and did a lot of work with me. He had been a winger himself in his playing days. I played against Rangers for air and was on the winning team twice. I scored against them too 
In one game I actually scored an own goal and then went up at the park, won a free kick and scored the winner. I spoke to a couple of Rangers players and they told me to ask for a transfer. I was tapped twice, but I didn't do it. When I went to Coventry in 1971, I thought the chance to play at Ibrox had gone. I thought, Rangers won't sign me now. Coventry was a good move for me. They were in the top division in England at that time. I was a part-time player at Ayr. I worked down the pits. I could hardly sign the contract because my hands were shaking so much. It was an easy decision to make. But the next thing I know, Coventry did a swap deal with Colin Steen. So I got my wish in the end. Before I signed, I asked them what was happening with Willie Johnson and was told he was going to be sold. He joined West Brom shortly afterwards, but I never felt any pressure. Fife, who left Rangers and joined East Fife in 1970, following a disagreement with Wallace, is currently self-isolating in his home amid the coronavirus pandemic but he is hoping he will be able to celebrate Rangers' title win later this season. I can't get out of the house, he said. It is boring. The pubs aren't open. TV host claims that Celtic asked Hibs eight times to move post-Dubai fixture. TV host David Tanner has claimed that Celtic asked Hibs eight times to move their post-Dubai fixture. The match was originally pencilled in for Saturday 9th of January, but the game was moved after the hoops went to the SPFL. Last week's fixture ended in a 1-1 draw, with Kevin Nisbet cancelling out an early David Turnbull free kick. Proceedings on the pitch were overshadowed, by Celtic missing 13 players and three staff members due to a positive coronavirus test in camp. On TalkSport, Tanner shed some light on the situation. He said, They were supposed to play last Saturday against Hibs, but the game was moved to the Monday. They rode roughshod over due process, Celtic, because they asked Hibernian eight times to move that game to Monday night to enable them to go to Dubai. Eight times Hibs said no. So Celtic went to the SPFL, who invoked a rule that many hadn't heard of, although you should have heard of it in fairness, and they moved the game. Hibernian were furious about that. Boxing. Ayrshire fighter McCourt on his lockdown training. Mental health experts would probably give it a fancy title, like expressive group therapy. For Calvin McCord, however, it is just old-fashioned mickey-taking. In trying to keep their spirits up as they await news of their next fight after a year of inaction, the boxers who train out of Sam Mullins' Dune Valley Fitness Gym in Dalmellington, when it's permitted to open, have been grateful for each other's company. That support and solidarity comes in many different forms, from sparring to helping with weight sessions. More often than not, though, the best way to raise morale among a close group 
is self-deprecating humour and a willingness to dish out and receive a good-natured slagging. Admits McCord It's been tough over the last year or so. I don't mind being in the gym, so that side of things is fine. But doing it all with no fights at the end of things can be murder. That side of it is soul-destroying, but you just have to stick at it so you're ready for when the next one comes around. I went down to Manchester to spar with Terry Flanagan, which was class, and was meant to be going to Belfast to spar with James Tennyson, the British champion, and then lockdown came and we couldn't travel. Mostly, I've just seen the boys in my own gym, so we just drive each other on. There will be no other fighters who will be thinking of chucking it completely after not competing for so long. It's tough on your mental health when you're not earning and seeing fights cancelled. But in our gym, we've all tried to help each other, mostly just by slagging each other. That's honestly the best way, just slaughtering each other constantly. There's me, Neil McCubbin, Aaron McGarvey, Chris Wood and Jay McFarlane was down for a while too. We just like to wind each other up because bouncing off each other is what helps keep you going when it's tough. McCord, a spark to trade hasn't fought since September 2019, with a plan to come back at Turnberry in March called off just days before he was set to step into the ring. There have been one or two other opportunities in the ten months since then, but not one that would have been suitable. Like most other boxers in the country then, the Scottish lightweight champion is keeping his fingers crossed that the rollout of the vaccine will finally make it safe and viable to get back to doing what he loves best. He adds, I was meant to be fighting on the Saturday at the start of the pandemic and it got cancelled on the Wednesday. I had sold a fortune in tickets so had to go and hand all that back. That was torture. I then got offered a fight out in Belarus against a Russian guy for a WBC World Youth lightweight title, but I was only given three weeks notice, so it wasn't enough time to get ready for it. If it had been six or seven weeks, then I would have taken it, but 18 days for cutting weight plus the travel wasn't long enough to prepare. There has been some good news, however, with undefeated McCord at 8 and 0 one of three Scottish boxers to have been signed up by veteran promoter Dennis Hobson with a view to advancing his prospects of title fights on bigger and better shows. Fighting in his native air is another goal the 24-year-old hopes that Hobson can help bring about. Said the Kainach boxing fighter, I'm really buzzing with this. Talks had been going on for a while, and then I signed the contract in the middle of December. It was supposed to be getting announced around Christmas, but was delayed for some reason, but I am happy the news is out there now. 
we are going to get a bit of TV coverage, which will hopefully get my name out there a bit more, and it should help get me bigger and better fights. Dennis knows what he's doing and has plenty of experience, so it's going to be good. There's talk about putting on four shows a year in Scotland, on top of some down in England, so there should be plenty of opportunities to get out regularly. I sell a lot of tickets around Ayrshire, and I'm lucky to have that support. I'm hoping they will put a show on in Ayr itself one day, as I know it would sell out pretty quickly. I'm hoping to get back out again in April or May, and that thought is helping keeping me going. Chris Jack says, Gerard is a legend in Liverpool and will be a god in Glasgow if Rangers win the Premiership title. Stephen Gerrard is already lauded as a legend in Liverpool. Now he could be greeted as a god in Glasgow. An illustrious playing career on Merseyside saw Gerrard achieve almost every dream that he had in the game as he won domestic cups and European trophies, as well as represent his country with distinction at major finals. The one honour that eluded him, of course, was a league title. In a matter of weeks, Gerard could have his first managerial success on his glittering CV. If the 40-year-old can lead Rangers to the Premiership crown this term, his place in Ibrook's folklore and the affections of the fans would be forever enshrined. Every league-winning boss is a hero, but this one means more than any other for a support that have been on an emotional roller coaster for a decade and are now closer than ever to the victory that is so sought after. After four impressive and enjoyable years in Glasgow. Mark Walters would spend five seasons at Liverpool. He, then, can understand as well as anyone where Gerard has come from and where he finds himself this term. The cities are very similar, Walter told the Rangers fans corner on 1010 podcasts. The young men there there are three things they are interested in, and that is women, alcohol and football, and not always in that order. The cities are very similar, and he has lived here for three years now, so he should understand how big this is for the Rangers fans, and he will be a god there now if he can get this holy grail of winning the league for the first time in ten years. He will understand it. It took me six months to understand what the club was about, but having been there three years, he should know what the club is all about. I can't believe that he won't have seen things on the internet and people must be coming up to him every day and congratulating him on how well he is doing at the moment. Last year, they were strolling it and then they had to stop the season and so forth. I can't believe that he doesn't understand, but once he does get over the line, he will understand it if he doesn't realise it now. When Gerard was appointed as Rangers manager in May 2018, 
the questions were asked about whether he would one day return to Anfield as a boss. There were comparisons made between Gerrard and Graeme Souness, given the links between the clubs and the young ages at which they made the move into the dugout under huge pressure to deliver at Ibrox. Walters was part of the famous revolution in Scottish football in the late 80s and believes the current Ibrox gaffer has had a tougher task than his legendary predecessor in returning Rangers to the top of the game. Walter said, They are very similar. They were both world-class players that did big things at Liverpool and now doing big things at Rangers. Unfortunately for Steven Gerrard, he didn't get the money that Souness had, so it has taken him a bit longer to establish everything. But I think this year he will achieve what he wants to achieve. It should have been last year, frankly, but this year he will achieve what he wants to achieve and start his career of winning things. As a manager, that is what you are judged on. It is definitely up there in terms of Sunus's achievements because you have to remember he doesn't have the money that Sunus had and he is dealing with players who may not know what is occurring at Rangers in terms of the history of the club. I think it is possibly a harder achievement for Stephen. It has taken him a bit longer as well to get his brand of football in and the rhythm of football that he likes playing. I wouldn't argue with anybody that said to me that Stephen Gerrard had a harder task in the situation to do what he has done. For the generation of fans that watched the side built by Souness and improved by Walter Smith go on to dominate our game, recent years have been barren and hugely difficult. There are some supporters that have never seen Rangers lift major silverware and many for whom the memories of their last successes will be faint as they have lived through a tumultuous period on and off the park. It seems unlikely that a packed Ibrox will be able to hail Gerard's side in the coming months and Walters is sad to see the empty stands given the importance of the achievement for Rangers. Walters said, It must be murder for them to not be at the ground, just like all fans all over Britain and all over the world probably. It must be terrible for them not seeing it, especially when it looks like we are going to win it this year as well. I think it is a shame because it would have been better for the players to have a night in Europe or to win one of these old firm games and it would have been fantastic for them to experience that. Hopefully, things go back to normal eventually, but there is no doubt that with the fans there, it would be an even better experience than they are having now. John Swinney brands Neil Lennon's Dubai claims as appalling. John Swinney has branded Celtic manager Neil Lennon's claims criticism of the club's Dubai trip was politically motivated as appalling. The Deputy First Minister said he was lost for words 
after hearing the Parkhead Supremo's explosive news conference on Monday. It was the first time Lennon had spoken publicly since Celtic returned from their winter training camp, during which he took aim at the media, politicians and rival football clubs, accusing some of rank hypocrisy. Celtic have been widely criticised for the trip to the Middle East, which culminated in defender Christopher Julian testing positive for COVID-19 and a number of players and staff, Lennon included, having to self-isolate. Speaking on Radio Scotland today, Mr Swinney, who had previously criticised the club for the trip, was asked what he thought about the comments. The Education Secretary said, I am at a loss for words. I said a few weeks ago that it was a bad idea for Celtic to go to Dubai for this trip. It was not a great signal. I have no ill will towards Neil Lennon whatsoever, but I think his comments were appalling. Earlier this month, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon shared the concerns about the trip to Dubai with the Scottish Government, SPFL and Celtic all trading heated words over the team's permission for it. This ultimately led to an apology from the club's chief executive Peter Lowell, but on Monday Lennon refused to apologise to anyone except the fans. As well as taking aim at Sky Sports pundit Andy Walker, he accused many of looking on the club in a different light compared to the Scotland national team's post-Serbia celebrations or MP Margaret Ferrier's alleged rule-breaking trip from London to Glasgow. Lennon said, I think that is remarkable and blows out the water the way the trip has been portrayed by certain quarters of the media by certain pundits and by certain government officials as well. We did not abuse any privilege. We did the right things. We were totally professional. We had a little drink in the afternoon on the day of completely allowed no law breaking. But we came back to this barrage of absolute hypocrisy. St Johnston blast Lennon over inaccurate and unfounded comments. St Johnson have fired back at Neil Lennon after the Celtic manager questioned the coronavirus protocols in place at McDermott Park. During an irate press conference on Monday, Lennon claimed that he and his players were crammed into a little dressing room when they visited Perth in October. Saints responded in a hard-hitting statement of their own when Head of Football Operations Kirsten Robertson responded to the Parkhead manager's comments. A statement read, St Johnson Football Club is extremely disappointed with the completely inaccurate and unfounded comments about our facilities made by Neil Lennon, the Celtic FC manager, in a media conference. We provide one of the largest away team changing areas in the league. Every team, including Celtic, is also provided with a large area for team meetings. We follow all protocols and guidance to ensure the health and safety of all players, staff and officials.
when Celtic visited McDermott Park on October 4 for an SPFL Premiership match, we made sure that every request and requirement was met. Celtic viewed all of our facilities before the game and no issues were raised. No issues were raised with us after the game. All during this challenging period of the past nine months, our football club has maintained adherence to the highest of standards. Indeed, the SPFL delegates have commended us on our work during this campaign. St Johnson's statement comes after Hamilton also countered claims made by Lennon during his astonishing press conference tirade. The Northern Irishman alleged that there was no social distancing in place at the Fountain of Youth Stadium before arguing that protocols of different clubs are inconsistent. A Hamilton spokesperson said, it is not our policy to comment on statements made by other clubs. We are content that we meet the most stringent standards of COVID protocols for all people visiting our stadium.